This pod is brought to you by Mike's Knives. Hey, Drew. Hey, Chase. Do you have a small knife? Yes. Does your knife not impress impress your lady friend? Does it not? Does it not impress your it lady friend? D- does your friend... <laughs> it does? <laughs> hey. <laughs> does your knife not impress your... Does it so it doesn't so it mine? How about this? Ready? No, is your lady friend not impressed by your knife? Is she unimpressed by my knife? Is she unimpressed by your knife? I mean, no, I I know how to does your knife not work it function properly when you want it to? No, no, no. Well, I got the solution for you. Oh, with right. With Mike's knives. We have the biggest, most efficient knives you've ever seen. Our knives will make your partner so impressed, they'll be screaming for more. Got some pesky vegetables you're trying to cut? Use Mike's knives. Got some tough meat you need to cut up and cut through to make an enjoyable meal for the fam? Use Mike's knives. These knives are so big and girthy, they'll cut through anything. Hell, they'll cut through a tree. <laughs> Just don't let some pent-up serial killer debutante get a hold of these knives. Oh, if he does, no. he'll kill a whole town and more. <laughs> With one knife? Use wow, code, that's an impressive knife, Chase. Use code, I want big knife. <laughs> for 25% off your next knife. Just remember... Big knife, happy wife. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, shout out to Mike's Knives for making our wives happy and for keeping our town safe. Mm -hmm. Do they have an array of size of knives or is it just literally the one one knife? It's (laughs) It's like a 13 inch 13 inch chef's knife. Never dulls. Just it always shiny. It self sharpens. Every time you cut, it gets sharper. Those guys created that business in the last literally 20 minutes on the um, spot. And they found us as a sponsor in that time. So that's how that's how much we can do for you new businesses. So new businesses. if you're interested in being a sponsor and part of this uh, growing podcast, please email us at moviefeeders at gmail.com. That is M-O-V-I-E-F-E-E-D-E-R-S at gmail.com. You did that so fast. You can also uh, DM us on Instagram at moviefeeders, same spelling, and we can uh, run your ad for you, so just let us know. And now, time for the show. Drugs, Danny? Good. You're a fucking dog. Fuck you too! Boring conversation anyway. This movie opens just straight into the iconic 
pumpkin opening. Yeah. Right? We don't even get a scene. Yeah. It just immediately starts with the score. That. How does it go? Everyone knows. It goes a little something like this. Guess that movie. It's Halloween. 1978. Yeah. Really the only... Halloween, I think that should be counted. I'm not a purist in the sense that I don't like any of the others, but I think this is the best one. Yeah, no, this is obviously the best one. It's also, I think, my favorite horror movie. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's up there. It is, for me, it's up there. I've watched it multiple times. I told you that I bought it. Mm-hmm. to watch this so i don't think it's streaming anywhere right now no because it's halloween so i would obviously say most of your services. parents have it on dvd yeah so yeah. like you'll be able to find it somewhere but this is one of those ones where it is on the schedule every year for halloween mm-hmm. i'm watching this movie yeah absolutely i mean growing up this is a movie we would watch only on halloween night mm-hmm and then i like just liked it too much and then i grew to love it and so then like we still watch it on Halloween night, no matter what, but I still watch it like probably a couple more times before. Growing up, I actually was more scared of Halloween 2, mm. so the one from 1981, and I think it was more from just having that sense of being in a hospital, Yeah, and like hospitals, you're supposed to feel safe, mm. but he kind of just like runs around the hospital trying to murder her. Yeah. Um, and then as you get older, you're like, actually, this isn't a really good movie. It's okay. I still like it, though. But it's not. I mean, it's but not I, the original. I, yeah, I agree. You know? It's not um, a bad follow-up. I think for the second one, they kind of, the uh, studio kind of, like, forced JC into yeah. making it. And he, like, kind of wrote it on the fly. And it wasn't that great. You know, yeah. I mean, the first movie was it was a low budget film of around like three hundred thousand, and it grossed what like seventy eight million. Yeah, is that upwards correct? of like seventy million, which is wild because I mean, in coming from it's tough to have this movie right after we talk about Blair Witch, which was made with for what sixty five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry, I think it was like forty seven million. No, 70. Was it it 70? grossed oh, upwards okay. of 70 million, okay. I think. Um, but we come from Blair Witch that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And so that's obviously a low budget film. But this, around that time, movies were being made for, you know, millions of dollars. I feel and like. So $300,000 is fairly low. Yeah. And I think when we talk about Blair Witch, we say low budget film it's really more of an independent film. It's like an indie film really Yeah. with that sort of budget. Yeah. Uh, so this is a little bit different. Um, they were able to actually get uh, like named actors, like pretty much only Donald Pleasance yeah. was really the only named actor. Yeah. He was uh Blofeld in you only live twice. He was in, what else was he in? He was in one of like some Western before mm-hmm. that. He was in the great escape with, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. So he he's definitely a well-regarded and known actor. And so for them to land him as 
Dr. Loomis was pretty big deal because it gave him some credibility, right? Yeah. And, and this they, wasn't this wasn't John Carpenter's first film either. You know, he he would, had gone through with other films before. He made like a low budget like was what it was Dark it? Star yeah, or something like like a uh, space sci-fi-ish movie and yeah. then he made that um, the siege that ended up be becoming Assault on Precinct. Yeah, Assault on Precinct 13. didn't really do well here but did well internationally. Yeah, right? so they they um, were trying to distribute that movie the Assault on Precinct 13 and well, it just wasn't really picking up but this guy from London saw it yeah, and wanted to submit it into their one of their film festivals, and his name was Michael Myers. That's hilarious. And so, this British Michael Myers. Hello, <laughs> are you John Carpenter, mate? Right. Yeah. So right. listen here. This is the deal. <laughs> We're about. I'm about to have a cup of tea with my lovely lady, and she thinks your movie's handsome. And what we're gonna do with this movie, love? We're going to take it. We're going to put it into a film festival. It's going to be a smash. It's going to be a smash hit. So, and it, it was, and people loved it there. So that was cool. That gave them a little boost. And then um, this uh, this producer, Erwin Yablots, Yablats or something. Mm-hmm. He, Yablats, uh, yep. he It's almost like John. Stanley Yilnez. Every time I hear his name, Who's I always that? think of Holes. Oh. The movie Holes, Stanley Yilnez. <laughs> Like you can say his name backwards. I'm sorry, Erwin. <laughs> so this guy picks up John Carpenter's next film. They have an idea of like like babysitter murders. Yeah. Uh, and then they eventually get the He like came up with the idea, right? Allegedly. Allegedly came up with the idea. So there's this show on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us. Yeah. And it's a it's a Fun, but also kind of annoying docuseries yeah. on how movies are made. And uh, Halloween was an episode, and we both watched it, mm-hmm. so we both have some good info from that. But I, can, I can't I can help but feel like uh, some of the primary sources from that are, like, biased. Yeah, because like, it's not I came up with that. Right, because yeah. it's not like John Carpenter is saying this stuff. It's mm-hmm. the producer. And, you know, I don't know. I take everything... They say with like a grain of salt. Yeah. But when you look at Tommy Lee Wallace, who is the guy who he played the shape in the scene where he broke the, the closet door. Closet door. But mm-hmm. he was also the production diner, so he made the closet door. That's why he wanted to break it. Yeah. Because he only said had, like, this one is gonna yeah, yeah, this is if someone's gonna mess it up, it's gonna be me. They didn't have Stanley Kubrick fucking Jack Torrance door money. No. Where they were going through like forty doors a day. Yeah. They they were really what what did they say a bunch in that show like bubble gum and duct tape? Yeah, that's like what this movie was. T- yeah, like, it was real. Just use what you can, reuse what you can, all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So yeah, so but yeah, this Tommy Lee Wallace guy did everything under the moon in this movie. I, I and, honestly, when I listen to him talk in that show, mm-hmm. I believe him. I agree. That's you know what that's I mean. Everything that he says, everything to. that he says, everything that Nick Castle says, I absolutely I believe because they were friends with him. Yeah, they were actually friends with Carpenter. They were in like Carpenter's band. Irwin's kind of like a. I yeah, was a movie producer wig, before. Like, yeah, this was because of me. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, anyway, we still get good information, and this Irwin guy says they get the money for the movie from this Mustafa Akkad guy who. Uh, where was he from? He was from, he was located from London. Okay. Too. 
So he he gets them the money, and then they're off to the races. Yeah. And John Carpenter was kind of funny because he requested like ten thousand dollars up front. He wanted ten k, which was high for directors. Ten k to write, direct, compose, mm-hmm. and then his two other things that he wanted was. Deborah Hill to be involved in helping write it, mm-hmm. which to he produce met, it, produce it, and um, she yeah she did write too, and then also he wanted his name on the title yeah, so that's as we know is now John Carpenter's Halloween, mm-hmm. and that was granted as long as he could film the movie within the three hundred thousand dollar budget which he did so, yeah pretty pretty cool setup for how it how it got started and then. And then it just went into the writing phase, right? Like you have John Carpenter and Deborah Hill both co-writing the movie. Yeah. Deborah Hill focused more on the lead women. Yeah, the babysitters. Act- the, their dialogue. And then Carpenter focused more on like Loomis's dialogue, his monologues. And he added like the element the element to it, the, the, the evil. The- evil. The, the theme there, so... Evil together, has entered your town, Sheriff. Your little town. So together, they made um, a very inspirational movie for slashers and horror films to come. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think one thing about Halloween that separates it from the rest, and I know we talked about this during X, yeah. is the fact that the, the characters are well-written and likable... And they actually feel like real people. Yeah. Um, like nobody's uh, nobody's like an asshole, but people are like they're they're their own personalities, they're their own people, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to say mm-hmm. with this movie was that, you know, at the end of the day, you can look at this like kind of like Blair Witch or movies that we've talked about before where like this stuff can actually happen right like there could be a serial killer like that it could very well if you're just taking halloween for itself right that night like this could totally happen Mm because we don't dive into any sort of supernatural element behind it like Mm -hmm. what's his motive yeah you know it's more of just like this is all happening at face value Mm -hmm. and i think that a series of like basically babysitters being murdered on halloween night is something that could happen yeah and look at the setting it's in a suburban neighborhood like that's most of america yeah and halloween night it's it's kind of like this lawless night where people are just around people are out there's people in masks and it's okay and you don't really question those people and yeah any other day that'd be freaky and you'd be a little worried but i don't know it's just the scariest night of the year and they took advantage of it and i think this is another one of those movies similar to blair witch where they just kind of beat other people to it yeah they beat them to it in the marketing as well like realizing that hey you know, if we do this on Halloween, like literally forever, people are going to be like, mm-hmm. let's watch Halloween. Yeah. And there's you know? that same um, that same ending as like Sinister and Blair Witch where the evil is still out there. Yeah. So each subsequent Halloween, Michael Myers couldn't come home, you know? Yeah. He can be out there. 
And it's just that reoccurring haunt that is, uh, you know, that's like the scare. Factor. Quickly went into uh, reviews for Halloween Kills the other day. Mm. I just needed to see it, um, and I I haven't seen the movie yet, but I did read reviews on it, and it was like, he's come home enough. <laughs> okay, we get it. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Okay, yeah, I know. Yeah, really, just beating this dead horse. It's. It, it is kind of funny when you look at the entire Halloween series and how they don't actually all connect or if they do, it's in, it's through different kind of timelines. Yeah. And there's, if you really map it out, there's, there's like a, like a tree, like a, like a tree chart of oh, I have how them. the movie. I have the connect. timelines here I have um, them for us to talk well, about. Okay. What were you going to say though? Well, Before I was, was going to say, cause I, I didn't really finish one of my points, but I want to hear, uh, your I point. was talking about like the characters and how they're written. Yeah. And I feel that, um, just to kind of wrap that up before we get too far away is Deborah Hill as a woman writing these female characters was really important because it, they weren't just talking about boys. I mean, that yeah. was, that, that's an element because they're in high school but they seemed like real people. Yeah. And it was cool to have the, like, the females as lead characters, but also be written by a female because I feel like it felt natural and real, you know? And especially in a slasher movie like this, it's not just... It's not just putting these women in precarious situations and just for no reason. Like, it all kind of made sense. And yeah. I, I just... I appreciated how the approach was to writing it because it made it made it just feel plausible why and how all of this stuff happened and with michael like he was methodical about it he was going he was all over the place he's going back and forth it's not like they were just lined up he was waiting for his times and yeah things just kind of worked out so i think the writing for this had a lot to do with it and when you look at other horror slasher movies that this inspired like Friday the 13th. We talked about this, like the writing sucks. Like it's just not, it's not good good writing. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think this movie almost would have been a little like distasteful and like, I mean, you want to give John Carpenter the credit that he's due. Mm -hmm. Right. But if, if you don't have Deborah Hill writing, Mm -hmm. uh, basically how this movie goes from the point of the babysitters, I almost don't even think that this is like, it's probably a good movie, but I don't think it ages well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's you true. Kind of, I don't think you respect um, the writing, especially mm-hmm. for the girls. Yeah. Because you'll just look at this at this point and look back and be like, some old white guy wrote what girls would be doing Teenage in this girls, situation, yeah. you know? And saying. And yeah. Yeah. And you get that because they say totally. Fucking mm-hmm. PJ Souls. It's funny as shit. Totally counter. You know, it's totally insane. I'll be totally wiped out. I totally never show. Totally charted. Totally. Totally. <laughs> totally silly. Yeah, it's totally dark. She's totally not here. Totally. And like the act the actors have a huge part with that. Like they're so they're just perfect for the roles and they do it well and sometimes you can look at it and be like, "Oh, that line was kind of corny," but I feel like 
their characters. High school girls don't know what they're talking about half the time. No. Do you remember what you were talking about in no. high school? We just saying a bunch nonsense. of nonsense. Dumb but shit. But also, like, I think the characters, they were just being funny. They were being stupid. Like, that. they were just screwing around. They were kids, you know? Like, so. Loki, though, if I was Lori, I don't know if I'd be friends with Annie. She kind of sucks. Right. I agree. And I, maybe but, that's just one of those things in high school is like you're insecure. Yeah. So you just kind of flock to whoever like, like, you know, Annie was probably always around her, mm-hmm. but like Annie was kind of like Annie's the kind of an ass. Annie's <laughs> kind of like the fairest to Lori's like right. Cameron, Cameron, except Annie's yeah. just a little more of a bitch. And then, then you got Linda who's kind of the hot bimbo linda's just like whatever i forget my chemistry textbook all the time yeah where's bob's cock i love when (laughs) i love when she goes on her rant about the books like i always i forget all my books so who cares i always forget my chemistry book and my math book and my english book and my let's see my french book and well who needs books anyway i don't need books i I always forget all my books i mean (laughs) it doesn't really matter if you have your books or not i forget my math book my chemistry yeah she just goes hard on yeah, saying but then books. Michael drives by. That's yeah. just the cre- I well, yeah. we'll get into that scene yeah. later, but that scene actually makes me laugh. Um so I think that just to wrap that up, big part of the movie. And yes. like you said, it, it makes it age well and yeah. And it's just it's nice because it uh it now I shows like why you said no Deborah Hill slander. I get it. I no slander. Deborah Hill slander. All right, let's should we look at this tree? This timeline, right? How, wait, how many Halloween movies are there? There's like ten? Um there is Eight, ten, um, thirteen. Okay. Yes. So, if you're starting at Halloween 1978, you can choose three routes. You can go the timeline, which is then Halloween 2, where you have... Lori going to the hospital and then after that it goes into Halloween four because Michael Myers isn't actually in Halloween three in 1982 mm-hmm. um, which I think that's like the worst movie because there's just like, I have weird. opinions on that movie season that I of the witch is that what it's called yeah um, so you do Halloween four, the curse of Michael Myers is that what it is no return of Michael Myers then Halloween five the revenge of Michael Myers and then Halloween 1995 the curse of michael myers or you could go the route of halloween 1978 to halloween 2 in 1981 and then you drop down to the h2o timeline which would then go to halloween 20 years later and then halloween resurrection or what they've recently come up with is the what's known as the h40 timeline so you go from 78 to then halloween which came out in 2018 which i think is probably my second favorite i thought they did fairly well with that movie um and then halloween kills and now halloween ends is coming out right now um and then on the side we have what is known by john carpenter as the most disgraceful thing to humanity which is Rob Zombie's reboot timeline (laughs) of Halloween and Halloween 2, and then the anthology timeline of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... (laughs) There's a lot of Halloween movies, 
and a lot of them are real shitty. I would say literally like, 90% of them are I would, trash. I would say most, like all of them kind of are, except for the first one and the most recent one. The first and one, the second one can be okay. I would I probably like do like, one. I'd probably go Halloween, then Halloween 2018, and then Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and the masks... The Michael Myers masks and the other ones yeah. just get they just get worse it's, and worse. It's, it's just ridiculous goofy. how bad they look. Yeah. And I don't understand why. Like, if they're gonna still go for the same mask, why not make the mask look the same? You know? That's what I'm saying. And that's a big thing on why this movie was creepy, is like it us talking about the movies that made us, they go over like they bought a couple of masks mm-hmm. and just from like a costume store. Yeah. And they they Cut out the eye holes a little more, painted it white. Well, the mask they bought the was hair. a Captain Kirk mask. Yep. And they also bought like a, a clown hat. Yeah, but that's the one mask. Michael wears as a kid. Oh, really? I think so. Um, And they, yeah, they did all this stuff to it. And they first used the clown one. And they're like, all right, that's kind of creepy. Like, that's messed up. And then they said when they put the um, Captain Kirk mask on. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Oh fuck, this is it!" Because it was just so expressionless. Like, yeah. there was no expression to it. He, j- it, you just seemed like a serial killer. Yeah, it just had the the black eyes, like a doll's eyes, or has, as Loomis says, like it's like the devil's eyes. Yeah, and it's just kind of the mask reflects that. Like, yeah, it's just creepy, and it's just white, pale face, just yeah, like you're saying, expressionless, and it just it's so simple but so iconic, mm. and I think. I think it's cool how Michael Myers like look and actions are so iconic. Like he's just so stoic, but not like he's trying to be, he just is. And I feel like all the all the other horror villains are just trying to be as cool as Michael Myers. And they just can't. They just can't get there. Yeah, they try this was, gimmicks. They this try was, looking yeah. scary, and it's just not gonna happen. You're just not. You're just, you just ain't it, bud. That's why, I, like, I want to go back to saying why I think this movie is terrifying in a way of like this can happen because there is no supernatural thing behind it, right? So when you talk about Jason Voorhees, first of all, he's not even in the first movie. Spoiler alert: mm-hmm. if you haven't seen Friday the Thirteenth by now, you should get climb into a rocket and shoot yourself at the sun um next i don't know it's freddy not that Kruger. good <laughs> freddy krueger like creepy very creepy idea but like also super supernatural like you know that, yeah i think the element of this is realizing that, that you could have someone do something like this mm-hmm. um and for what like i think i have a lot of questions for you on what you think like mode the motive is here Obviously, right, our, the first scene you get is um, this seeing these teenagers go into a house and make out and someone's watching them. And then you have that whole scene of walking in, the light turns off. Uh, you get the... Mm-hmm. Like, Michael's there and yeah. he walks upstairs. And I thought it was so funny uh, because the guy who's who's dating Judith or yeah. who's hooking up with her is just like puts in probably like five thrusts max. Yeah. And then dipped. We were, he's like, look, it's really late. I got to go. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll call you. She's like, will you call me tomorrow? Yeah, sure. And he like kind of gives a look back up the stairs. Like, no, I got to go. Will you call me tomorrow? Yeah, sure. Promise? Yeah. 
Yeah. And then that's hilarious because, like, they had to, <laughs> they had, they wanted to film that shot like continuously, right? But the film reels could only shoot like four minutes, 26 seconds. So yeah. they couldn't do all that in time. So they had to cut it when Michael put the mask on. Yeah. So I was kind of doing the math. I'm like, as we're watching that scene unfold and right when Michael grabs the knife, I'm probably like, all right, they're probably naked now. And then I th- they're yeah, probably, think so? they're not, probably thrusting. Not when they, point. not when they turn the light off, they go upstairs and turn the light yeah. off. I mean, it's just, I mean, quick. yeah, no, but like minute tops for this dude to finish. And then he just dips. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a wham, bam. Thank you, man. He's, out of there and he's not going to call her back. And you know what? That guy well, definitely just not created, now. he, he was involved in the making of a serial killer for the next 13 movies. Do you think Michael would have killed her regardless? No, I think I it think had so. to do. I think I had to write a paper on this and I couldn't find it, but it came down to, yeah, I think the thing was, is he was, and it shows throughout the movie he's like sexually frustrated. I disagree. And I think that it has to do with <laughs> I think I think it has to do I see with what you're saying, though. not as I mean not as a child but right later on he is um he's watching these people fuck mm-hmm. and like he's being weird about it. Yeah. But early on I think it it messed him up so much. Mm-hmm. I think seeing his like basically seeing his sister have sex at like a young age messed him up and then it just sent off something and then he murdered her. But I think that if she stayed down in that living room, he probably would just walked in the back door. Hmm. Um, And even if he did try to kill her, I'm sure that they would have been able to stop him. Yeah. But that dude was just like, let me just, let me just pump, pump, dump and see (laughs) you later. (laughs) Dump. The reason, the reason why I don't, I find that a little hard to believe is, From what I've read, Deborah Hill and John Carpenter did like they expressed that it wasn't because Lori was a virgin or didn't have sex in the movie that she survived. She was still targeted. She was still going to be killed. The reason why Annie and Linda were killed were because they were preoccupied with sex. It wasn't because they were committing sex. It's because they were in vulnerable positions where they like they put themselves into positions to be vulnerable. Like Annie yeah. in the car being alone, Linda being in the house alone or well, after Bob died alone and then she was just thinking that that was Bob. Like so they were just kind of inviting this behavior in a way. Yeah. And so right. they were saying that John John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were basically just saying Lori was just more alert because she wasn't actively having It still goes sex. with the with the rules that of like Scream, you know? <sighs> Scream sex, made up those die. rules though. Or like they did afterward. I think Meta those well, rules they're, ta- they're showing the movie in Scream. Yeah, but those rules are a byproduct of of this movie. They this immediately movie broke the rule in the first scene. They had sex. You fuck around. You find, you find out. out. Uh, and I'm you not... know what they say. If you have premarital sex, 
uh, your younger brother will kill you and turn into a psychopath serial killer. This so message was approved so by just the don't anti-premarital coitus committee. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. I just I don't think that is. I don't think that's it. I think Michael had an evil in him that he was going to kill his sister no matter what. Yeah, but he's watching. Like, what is up with him watching? He does that for everything, though. It's not just sex. He watches everything. Like, he's always looking. And that, you know, so, I don't know. I, th- I feel like there's a little bit of a focus on the whole sex thing when it was unintentional. And it was it was just kind of ended up being a byproduct because that's what that's what happened in the movie and that's what people saw as a pattern, but it wasn't, it just wasn't intentional as far as I understand. Yeah. I actually told my buddy that there was one pair of boobs in this and that he should watch it, but he should definitely check him with, um, uh, check his, with his mom, mom first, um, or his girlfriend and make sure that it was okay. And then I forgot there's two pairs of boobies in here. So I, I hope he's okay. <laughs> I always forget about Judith. Being yeah. Naked. The playboy playmate. Yeah. Sorry. I just want to bring that Juice, up. Uh, it's a shame Michael killed her. Judith. Judith. When, Ju- <laughs> Judith. <laughs> when Linda, uh, the actress, PJ Souls, apparently she went to the theater to watch a screening of it. And in, in the scene where she releases the the sheets and expose you like her. what you see yeah apparently there's a guy in the theater that was like hell yeah i do <laughs> <laughs> wow and she was just like oh, oh just boy buried her head yeah. <sighs> well i mean it's a good time she did that on a movie hey at you least know. at least bob did the dirty deed before he died yeah i mean he didn't at look like michael he had let many them skills finish. either I think that's good on Michael letting them finish. He, I mean, they didn't look, Bob didn't look like he was putting it in too much. Bob looked like he was about to, I think that the best thing for Bob was being murdered because he looked like he was about to just go through the motions of life until he was like 50 years old. And like, he's in the attic moving something, having a heart attack. Yeah. I liked how they just went up to their, like just some randos parents bed. Yeah. And just did it. Yep. So this first, that first scene where we see Michael off his sister was actually the last scene filmed. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. And they spent like all night doing it, just doing the same moving shot over and over and over and over again. With new, like almost new technology. Yeah. For the time, they had like a steady cam that they mm-hmm. purchased. The um, Panaglide. Yeah. And it was like $70,000 of their budget went towards new Panavision, Panavision Just equipment. The cameras and the film, which is also awesome because it makes the it makes the movie hold up today. And like it looks great. Like you watch it in 4K and it looks fantastic. Yeah. And I know I keep comparing this. Not. I, whatever i know i keep comparing this to friday the 13th but that movie came out after this movie and it looks like dog shit yeah and it's because they didn't use panavision they didn't have the budget for it probably but still like i do like good that they had the using... budget for all the blood and all the gore <laughs> yeah i like the makeup artists and that that's true they did some pretty creative stuff there for yeah. sure but this movie didn't really have that they didn't have the gore or the blood they were doing what they were calling the theater of the mind so uh yeah. scaring you 
using cinematography and music and Da-da-da. lighting. Yeah, just John Carpenter's little little diddles. He's just I all I can think of ditties. is him just like sitting at a sitting at a piano. His little synth. His little Oberheim or whatever. Apparently he did the score in like three or four days too. Yeah. Just busted it out after the He's movie. He's probably just coaxed out of his mind. Just the most iconic horror score. Like I don't think this is JC slander, but like look at the times. We're like late 70s. You gotta do what you gotta do to get this movie done. I would have done it. Yeah. There's, a, there's like a list that it says like top or like best horror scores of all time. And for most of these, this movie ranks at number two. Yeah. And the number one is Jaws. Okay. Which I kind of disagree with because I really don't think that's a horror movie, but that's neither here nor there. But I still think this, I just love it. I love the. I mean, if I'm going to take, if I'm going to take a score over a score. Oh, yeah. But I, yeah, but I feel like Jaws ain't a horror. I feel like it's a thriller. But it's a thriller. Splitting hairs. I don't know. Yeah. But the synth, I don't know. Something about synths I just love. Ugh, just I know. sound just hits a spot, and uh, right after that f- opening scene, we they, get the Loomis in the car, right? Yeah, we jump straight into Loomis that. Loomis with the nurse. She's yeah. just chain smoking cigs, and it's like how how long is like how many years? Because it, it started in sixty eight, and it goes to seventy. It's fifteen years later, I think. Like right? That. Sixty. It starts sixty three, goes to seventy eight. Yeah. Yeah, and Loomis is just <sighs> Loomising in the car, yeah, just having dude. Loomis-isms. Two bottles deep and like red wine, <laughs> red apparently, wine. just like barely able to get his lines out. Yeah, and that was like the hardest day to shoot because it was raining and all that shit. But yeah, just, just I not happy that I think it's I think Michael's that is a really great establishing scene in the movie mm-hmm. because. He you immediately get Loomis and how he's talking about Michael Myers and he refers to him as it. it. Yeah. You and really the see the fear yeah. in Loomis's words. Yeah. Of uh how he feels towards Michael. Yep. And the um, nurse clocks that too, like you were about to say. She says like, it just can't you refer to it as him? And it's just like and he's just like no. whatever you say, but like this this, this is thing not is a human. Yeah. And I think that's a great way of setting the tone for the movie and what we're about to see. And it just dehumanizes him so early. Mm-hmm. And then also something to think about is in the script, like, and when you look up like who was cast in it, like they don't really say Michael Myers a lot. It's the shape. Mm-hmm. Like it, this isn't supposed to be a normal person. This is a yeah. terrifying serial killer. I mean, when you see Michael get unmasked in that opening scene and it pans out and then it kind of freezes, I forget the term, but it's used in plays a lot where it's like supposed to, it's kind of like a freeze frame where the actors are still, but it pans out. But like that, like he's a kid. So the very next scene, 15 years later, you gotta be like this, it ain't a kid and it was never a kid. No. And if you, it's kind of hard to miss if you're not really paying attention to the dialogue because it's pretty low key and it's quiet and there's not much emotion behind it per se. So if you really tune into like the words that are being said, you just realize how creepy and I would literally like probably cry. I just start crying. If I pulled up and there was a bunch of mental patients out in a field after everything he doc said, I'd, I'd, 
My U-turn. worst, uh, it's it's literally nightmare fuel for me. My worst, like, the only things that I'm truly scared about, like, worst fears are, like, Blair Witch Woods mm-hmm. and being stuck in a mental hospital. Like, Ew. mental hospital, like, asylums yeah. scare me yeah. so much. Have you played so, the game Outlast? Uh, no, I'd never played it, but I watched YouTube videos of people playing it. It's terrifying. Yeah. Scariest game I've but ever. stuff like that, you know. That I yeah. just I'm not about that type of vibe of like just, what we just did walking do. around and as a society we just oh, throw yeah. people in there and the, the shit that would happen and right. like it's it's I don't know it's you know you do that to someone like this and yeah so yeah, yeah he breaks the uh, so the, all all of these inmates not uh, patients are walking around. Just in white gowns in the field. You don't mm-hmm. even, like, see their face. They're just all, like, yeah. stumbling around. Yeah. Right? And, of course, Michael's out there. He hops on top of the car. He breaks the window, um, which, if you look closely, there's a wrench, yeah, right? Yeah, the low-budget wrench. Yeah. It's really not that hard to spot. And nah. I, I didn't want to go into the pod when I saw that because I knew about it before. And I was like, all right, I'll let Drew bring this up because I didn't want to be yeah. like, this is kind of cheesy. But like they didn't have the money. I, I And I like that they kept it in there. I like that they didn't George Lucas the shit and get rid of it. It's just it's part of how the movie was made. And it, it whatever, it's nice. Fuck, maybe you could even do a headcanon where Michael, he had the wrench. Yeah, maybe he had a, re- a wrench know? to do it. Yeah. And then Who cares? Loomis is like... He's gone. The evil has gone. The evil is gone. Barely checks on the nurse. Yeah, and then Michael just drives away. Okay, real quick here. You, you've mentioned a few times that there's there's not really like a supernatural element to this movie. Yeah. And I, I do agree to an extent, but I think with Michael, there is like some sort of evil force that allows him to become essentially the boogeyman, right? Yeah. So he, you can't kill the boogeyman. He, he's not like human, right? In in some facet, he's not. So he, I will. He's he appears out of the shadows, kind of. He's, I don't know. There's there's elements that are fairly supernatural, and maybe him driving away like this is plausible. Maybe it's him just kind of knowing, or maybe it's him seeing, watching people drive over the years or something. I don't really know. And, and you know, Loomis that complains about explained. it later. He's like, well, maybe you guys gave him some driving lessons while he was around mm-hmm. here, right? He was a kid. He's obviously been driven in a car before. And mm-hmm. I'll agree with you. Maybe there is some supernatural element before. I think it's more terrifying when you tried to take it away just yeah. because of the sequels. I think that when the sequels are involved with this movie, they try to like harness that supernatural element. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I think they but take watching it too far. Halloween kills, I was like, this is fucking stupid. Like they're like trying to take that supernatural and they literally just like, they, they, they suck. They, it, they, they yeah. ruin it. It's so if beating it was, a dead horse, if it was this movie and this was the only Halloween movie ever made, I would love to give it that like, okay, maybe there's some supernatural behind it. But realistically, and I have the quote, but Loomis is like he was staring at a wall for 15, 15 years thinking about this night, like, like the, this night, not looking at the wall, mm-hmm. looking past it. And if he's been planning to break out for 15 years, I'm sure he's thought about, I'm going to take this car. 
I'm going to fucking drive it. Mm-hmm. You know, go I home. know where I'm going to go. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And I think that really does. Uh, He's a capable human of driving a car. I don't think it's, it's not mm-hmm. like we're asking him to uh, use an excavator and right. dig out a foundation. It's right. like a car actually isn't that hard. He could have crashed and died and then it would have been like, well, oh, that's Halloween. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's one of those parts of the movie where you don't need to read too much into. And I, and I think your, your view on this is, is essentially what Carpenter envisioned because when he had the idea of Halloween and then a sequel to Halloween, he wasn't thinking, let's bring Michael Myers back. What he was wanting to do is essentially what he did for Halloween three, which is, they're all going to be part of this series, but each movie is going to be its own installment with its own horror and evil that happens on Halloween night. Yeah. So Michael Myers was, from what I understand, supposed to be a one-off. Yeah. And then, like of course, the better. studio is just like, oh, we want him back. And so then, like you say, that's when the supernatural element comes back because you have to injure him, but he can't die. Otherwise, because there wouldn't this be is America. Movies. We need to make money. Yeah. And put guns in your area. Yeah. I got the strap. I got to carry him. What if Michael Myers had a gun? <laughs> what gun do you think can we he'd just use? Give, can we just what Can we just give Michael Myers... Just give Michael a 12-gauge. No, no. He's a one-handed gun for sure. I'm either thinking he gets like a Mac-10 or an Uzi. <laughs> or you're deagle. giving him, you know... <laughs> <laughs> just like putting 50 cows in people's heads. <laughs> he just like just just blowing up pumpkins uh, in the backyard. Uh no, I would say um okay, the one shot is more of his thing like one at a time, but I almost Musket. think you give him like an <laughs> For how slow he is, he can reload that he thing. It's an extended clip. Uh an extended <laughs> clip like Automatic handgun, like the yeah. Joker uses it yeah, a lot like in the G-18. Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. He just be like, <laughs> and it tilts the head. <laughs> I think another scary thing about Michael um, that maybe has to do just slightly with the supernatural element, Michael, is in this movie, in the original Halloween movie, he's an average size guy. I think he's taller. No, I yeah, he's maybe a little taller, but he's not bulky. He's not huge. Nothing like that. He's I would say average. If anything, has a couple inches, maybe six foot. I would say I'm giving him like I'm putting him at six two, six two. Okay, but he's still a thin guy. Like he doesn't look fucking. Probably would have been starting quarterback for the varsity football team. Yeah, that's the life he could have had. Actually, if he was this like mentally fucked up. He's probably like a starting linebacker where they were just like, you need to just run up the a gap immediately uh, every time. And he just would just wouldn't say just anything and just do it. Oh but God. like destroy people. Yeah, it'd be bad. <laughs> it would like, be he'd like hurt people. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be OK with it. He would like <laughs> like run through a lineman and like break their legs from hitting them so hard and then just stare at them as the play ran around him and someone just ran for a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> then he wouldn't help him. This up. is Michael Myers playing varsity football, <laughs> and they're like, "Myers, you stupid son of a bitch!" What would his number be? Sixteen. 
All that's right. it. <laughs> that's no reason. That. Immediately, that's what came to mind. So, <laughs> so you see in every Halloween movie after this, like Michael Myers is just huge. Yeah, and I don't get it. They make him like this big they giant guy, massive in the Rob Zombie I hate movies. it. Like I really dislike that aspect. Mm-hmm. Like Halloween two, they didn't do which because it was a sequel a couple years later. Even the new Halloweens, I know he's older, so that kind of makes sense, but he just kind of has this big, bulky presence. And I like the thinner Michael idea. I like because, tall. Yeah. I like tall. I don't think you need to be the size of Shaquille O'Neal. No. But I like, like... Because it makes... It, it makes you believe that, like, it's terrifying to have a person this big being able to overpower you. Yeah, and, like, he has this strength, right? He can, like, lift Bob up with one hand... And then stab him through like the sternum or whatever to the to the cabinet. Yeah. And it's like this guy, he's not that big. Like that's a lot of strength, a lot of, lot of, like lot of same evil, size a lot of Bob. power. Right? Right. So I think that's another kind of element about Michael's character that um, was kind of important for this movie. And which is also funny because he was played by like for the most part, what, three or four different people throughout the movie, just in certain Mostly scenes. Nick Castle, yeah. right? Which also, fun fact, Nick Castle helped write. Uh, he co-wrote Escape from New York. Nice. Yeah, because they're all friends. Like, this whole movie was yeah. basically built off of, like, friendships and, and networking connections that everyone had yeah, just from This person movies. worked on this movie or that movie or yeah. whatever. I think the average age for this movie was 26 years old. Yeah. They were just all wild. just, like, young yeah. and broke and wanted to have a they had a passion for film and made this there's like a there's like a magic to how this movie was made that just doesn't the happen supernatural in a lot of magic that michael Something. myers possesses and um it's not like they just didn't know what they were doing they they knew what they were doing but they were being led by john carpenter and his vision and i don't know there's just there's something about this how this movie was made and who made it that it just it was just that perfect formula to make it work. And it's kind of the same thing with Star Wars. I don't know if you've seen the ILM, the Industrial Light and Magic documentary. No. It's just so good, but it just shows like how these guys made Star Wars and just what they were doing. And they didn't really know how it would look, but they had an idea of what they were doing and they were just figuring it out and it just worked. And I don't know, maybe it was just kind of this golden age of filmmaking where it's all these young kids who just had this, had this, industry by the balls because everybody was going to tv they were just like let's send it yeah it's so funny that uh everyone was going to tv because now tv is dying mm-hmm. like i film's gonna be around forever like yeah you, you just you can't do and without not, like movies. streaming's taking over tv yeah. uh so this movie was filmed in california they were low budget they had to literally i find it this hilarious mm-hmm. right since they filmed it in California and they filmed it in the springtime, they had to get uh, dead leaves from... And paper leaves. Yeah. From like a different area and they only had so much of it. <laughs> so they would like displace it in the shot that they were doing. And, like, and then they would have to rake it up and bag it up and yeah. then go to the next place that they're going to do and like oh spread God. some out. And they, I think they had to actually go up and shake leaves like out of a bag or whatever to make it look like leaves were falling because yeah. if you look at most of the movie <laughs> those trees are green as all of them are green yeah <laughs> so yeah this is clearly not fall um and then do you want to talk about the pumpkin shortage 
Yeah, there was like a pumpkin shortage because it was spring. Mm-hmm. They only had like three pumpkins or mm-hmm. something, so they had to get gourds. Yeah, it was like this African gourd that was like green. Yeah, and then they just painted it. Painted it to look like pumpkins. And what, what's funny is you can actually spot the same pumpkins being used throughout the movie. Yeah. Like, there's, there's like, there's the one that Tommy Doyle crushes. There's the one that Lori guts and carves and she brings out and like, and Tommy and Lindsay are like howling and they're doing their like Halloween thing. And like, there's, there's the one by the nightstand and Linda and Bob's room. But the one that Lori brings out with the, with the, with Lindsay and Tommy, that same pumpkin is the pumpkin used for the opening I thought same. it looked familiar. Yeah, because there's like if you look at it, there's certain divots on it that are the same as the opening scene, and the yeah. the facial features are really small on that pumpkin, so they cut around them, and yeah, made a. So made, is that pumpkin? That the is the nose pumpkin. of the pumpkin to me the is nose of the knife? pumpkin supposed to be a knife? Possibly. I just I, I feel it. like when I see it, I'm like, why would they make that like, like. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I see it. There's as no a knife. reason why. I've always carved pumpkins as, as like a, just a triangle nose. You know what I mean? Like that that yeah. looks like a knife to me. I think it's cool. Like I don't know if that's what they went for, but I see that. And what's also cool is you can kind of see that when they cut it, it cuts down into the tooth below. Yeah. There's like a little gash there, so it's almost like they just went like that. Yeah. It's kind of cool, like a little slash. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I love that pumpkin. Every year I kind of carve that pumpkin too. At least yeah. try to. I think it's hilarious in the scene when uh, they go back to Loomis talking to that doctor. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like trying to make it or like the, the head of the mental place is trying to make it seem like it's not that big a deal that a bunch of his mental patients were cr- like out in the yard. Yeah. Like you would be fired if that happened. If there was yeah. a prison break, you would be fired. This guy was like trying to make it like it was Loomis's fault. Yeah. It's just astonishing to me. He just like, they kind of breezed over the fact that, I mean, maybe they just, <laughs> maybe they just wrangled all the, <laughs> all the patients up and they slid that kind of under the carpet. Yeah. It's like, for God's sake, Sam, he doesn't even know how to drive a car. He was doing very well last night. Maybe someone dumb. around him gave him lessons. That was pretty good. But then I thought this was cool. The way that I, this is where I appreciated the writing in this movie. Um, once Lori drops off the keys, she kind of seals her fate for the movie, right? Because Michael sees her at the Myers house. When she drops the keys? She drops the keys off at the house because they're trying to sell the house. Oh, So yeah, she has to the drop beginning. the keys off in the beginning. She seals her fate because Michael sees her through the window. Yeah. Right? And then later in school, I don't know if you catch this, but... Uh, she's just thinking about whatever and she looks out and she sees Michael there and she's a little freaked out. And then she like looks again and he's gone Mm -hmm. and the teacher calls on her and they ask her and the lecture is talking about, um, whatever it is, but it's talking about fate and they like bring up this quote about fate is immovable. It never changes. Yeah. It's like a mountain. It never Mm -hmm. changes. And yeah, so I like, think that's definitely some foreshadowing. Lori and Michael were just always bound to like, Mm -hmm they're destined to yeah. meet and have this kind of like brawl. Yeah. Like their paths crossed and 
Like it's always going to crowd. And they really lean on that in the 2018 Halloween of like, like we're, we're, it's kind of like the Joker Batman. Like we're, uh, we're destined to be, we're destined to be together. Yeah. When a unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Very similar kind of idea of like the, the hero and the villain just Mm -hmm. constantly fighting each other. Because this could be a whole different movie if, if Laurie's dad just drops off the keys to the house. Right. Like, do you think he just I would he think so, fixes he, in on on? Well, yeah. The look dad? at look at the series of events. He, like you say, Laurie drops off the keys to Michael. This is a house, old house. Michael follows Laurie. Laurie and Tommy talk. Michael follows Tommy for a yeah. little bit. That's when we see Tommy get bullied by Lonnie Lamb, get tripped and smashes. Lonnie the gets touched by MM. Yeah. That's scary. Like Michael Myers grabs him. Michael Myers is like, like it's his little theme song. Yeah. Like, yeah. And uh and then it goes back to Lori. She's with Linda and Annie. And then they both get stalked. And then that's it. Like those are the main people that die in the movie because of that. Yeah. So if it wasn't for Lori going to Michael's house to drop off the keys for her dad for the real for his real estate job or whatever then i don't think this would have happened. they just like don't even bring the parents up at all ever again mm-hmm. <laughs> just and I, I think this is actually a good time for our next ad okay it totally is it totally is all right and now a message from our sponsor strode realty strode realty would like to offer you a warm welcome to our community here at haddonfield illinois strode realty offers the best available suburban homes in our peaceful little town. If you have been stalking the house market, you can stop now because we have two totally special properties. Totally. Our first house has been vacant since 1963 and was previously owned by the Myers family, a well-known name here in Haddonfield for all you out-of-towners. This quaint two-story unit is perfect for those looking for a fixer-upper. If you're into DIY, then this house is dying to meet you. And just a short joint lengths away drive is our second unit, originally the Wallace's residence, a bigger and newer house for those looking for a modern home. Now complete with a laundry room separate from your house. Now you can walk across your backyard in the middle of the night in your underwear to wash your bloodstained sheets. Due to some accidents from the previous owners, There are some small bloodstains around the carpet and furniture of this house, but at least the owners didn't die in this house. It was just some kids. Oh, fuck them kids. Now, we here at Strode Realty realize how this can alarm some families, but what will scare you more is how much we're slashing prices on these beautiful homes. Contact us today for a price on your future home. And just a friendly reminder, he is not coming home anymore. He's dead. And, just in case, we're offering you an all-expense-paid out-of-state trip to Wally World for you and your family on the first Halloween day spent in your new home. Welcome to Haddonfield. Nice. Thank you to our sponsors. Totally. Totally is the market we're trying to tap into. Totally what I wanted to hear. Well, 
I know that realtors make a lot of money, so we better make a lot of, we totally better make a lot of money off of that ad. Totally. That's going to be a big one. So I think that I want one of the scenes that kind of makes me laugh is Michael Myers driving around in the car. Uh-huh. And when the uh, girls are all talking and he slowly drives up on him and she's like, Hey, isn't that Devon Graham? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. He's like, I think he's cute. Like it's definitely not Devon Graham. Uh, it's a creepy dude driving very slow in a station wagon, like staring at you. Like that scene like, makes me laugh. His brother like, has a station wagon. He just, it, but dude, his mask, he's just like staring at yeah. him as he drives by and drives away. It's fucking weird. It is weird. Uh, but like Lori's pretty perceptive. So she's been seeing this guy all day. Sometimes behind bushes. She saw that car earlier when she was in class. So she saw that again. Yep. So she's like kind of freaking out while the rest of the girls don't really, they're not really knowing what's going on. Yeah. But that's kind of nice because you get, you get Lori having this stuff compound for her but the other girls are just like hey jerk speed kills yeah because then later they're walking and uh, linda goes home and it's just laurie and annie and they like michael's behind the bush and she's like hey look up there and it's like in the background you can see the car parked down the road Mm -hmm. and then he comes out from the bush and annie's just such a bitch like poor laurie scared another one away (laughs) just so mean to her yeah it's just unnecessarily so mean, to mean to her. Picks her up later, right? They're in the car, mm-hmm. smoking weed, smoking a doobie to some. Don't fear the reaper. Blue oyster cult, and he pulls in behind them again. Um, definitely, as a cop dad, he ha- there's no way that he didn't smell them the smoking reaper weed in that car. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. And they, in that scene too, there's like. After the girls leave, it's Loomis and the cop talking about like the convenience store that got robbed with, with like knives and rope and yeah. a mask. And uh, then Michael just drives, drives, just drives, he just by. drives right behind Loomis. Yeah, he ju- he drives right by him. He he's checking both sides of the road too. He, yeah, he did. It. He's a good driver. He's like <laughs> just Michael driving. Oh, yep. Now's my turn to go. Yeah. It's my turn now to drive. Yeah. Follow the rules of the road. Why did he steal the tombstone? I he, of Judith Myers. <clears throat> he has like a theatrical mind with this sort of stuff. That's why he set up all the bodies at the end. You know, like that's Does he just want to kill teenage women that are Randy? Maybe. And I think like he likes to set it up in a way of he has a good idea of what's scary. Like he knows how to scare people. He must like that or something. Yeah. You know. So when he's when he, after he murders these people, he doesn't just leave them there. He brings their bodies elsewhere to use them as a scare factor. He came home. That was a bad one, but that's what Loomis says. He came home. <clears throat> Kind of like E.T.'s voice a little bit. He came home. Yeah, right? Because he kind of has that, like, frog in his throat. Yeah. He came home. Something that gets overlooked in this movie, the fact that Michael Myers eats a dog. Like, they go to the house, the sheriff and Loomis, and he's like, 
what is that? And he's like, it's a dog. He must have gotten hungry. And the sheriff's like, oh, it's fresh. Or is a squirrel. Like, yeah, pretty bad. Then he kills another dog. He kills another dog. He kills two dogs in this movie. He's an evil human being. Yeah. He eats a dog. That's so fucked up. He's got to eat. And it's not like visual. Like the whole scene, like they do that as them going up the stairs and they stop and look and they walk over to the living room and they don't show you it, mm-hmm. but like they talk about it. Yeah. The thought of it is worse than what we would see, you know, like, mm-hmm. God damn, you had to eat a dog. Just raw dog. He just he he raw, raw dogged it. it. Yeah, he did. You sick fuck, Mike. You dirty raw dog. boy. You raw dog. That didn't you? You dirty little man. Dog. And that's when we get. Chicago uh, the, dog. The the one of the best monologues in this movie. Loomis. It was Loomis's He's just inside. I met him fifteen years ago. I was told there was nothing left. No reason. No conscience. No understanding. And even the most rudimentary sense of life or death or good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six year old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes the devil's eyes i spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because i've realized that what was living behind those boys eyes was purely and simply evil that's a great writing that's loomis trying to explain the situation (laughs) to the police and he's I don't. It just comes off as like old man Jenkins, just like yeah. It's just boy, who, not boy who cried wolf, but like no one believes him. No one, yeah, they just don't. And I think that's also good writing because it that structure allows Michael to to go on his killing rampage without it being stopped because Loomis is trying to, but the cops are just like this doesn't happen here. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't know he's gonna do this stuff. You know? Yeah. It's creepy. I and, love it. But Loomis, Loomis fucking knew. No, good. Donald Pleasant kills it with this monologue. With multiple. There's another one later. Yeah. He's just like, on. he's like a doctor who. Who's his physician, to, right? To cure. He's just like, or to, to help. And he help couldn't. Michael. He just realized. He's no like, one I could. did nothing but try to help this child. I was. It makes it seem like he was only assigned to Michael. Yeah. Like and like had no other real life. I think in early drafts of the script, there was a scene where Donald or Loomis like had a call with his wife or something. And then I think it was even Donald Pleasance's idea to be like, he, this character doesn't have a wife and family. Like he's just committed to his work. Yeah. He has nothing. He's been committed to Michael Myers. Now he's just committed to stopping Michael Myers at all costs. Yep as we go on, like obviously you see Michael stalking the different girls. First up is Annie. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> she's too busy or distracted with trying to get Paul's dick. I love how Randy these kids are. It, yeah, they're high school. fun. They're ready to go. They're high everybody. School. People love sex and it's a great way to connect with the audience. Horror movies, literally target and when they're fun characters you want to watch those people have a good time yeah 
Although Annie's just the worst. Like she's such an egotistical human <laughs> that when she gets stuck in that window doing laundry, yeah. she like looks at the she looks at Lindsay who's she's babysitting and is like, Don't tell anyone this. Like what is a like eight year old girl gonna yeah. tell? Like or, now she is. Yeah. Now Who, she's gonna say something. What is she gonna say that's gonna and embarrass she does. you? She goes right up to the phone and be like, Hi Paul, Annie was stuck in a window. Yeah. <laughs> She's a roaster. Yeah. Good. Good job, Lindsay. Good job, Lindsay. She's, when she's on the phone, though, there's a commercial that Lindsay's watching that's like, lock your doors and bolt, bolt your, your windows. windows. Yeah. They do a lot of that stuff in the background of this movie, which is funny. I, I, love the, um, I love the use of the TV sounds. Like, there's a part where Tommy's hiding from Lindsay and he's behind a curtain. And they're playing, I think, at I don't know if they're watching the thing from another world or if they're watching forbidden planet, but they're watching one of those movies and it cuts to Tommy looking out the window and they're using the sci-fi sounds from the movie playing. Yeah. And Tommy sees Michael carrying Annie into the into house, the house yeah. and it's just such a creepy part because like the sounds are creepy, but they're for like old sci-fi, Yeah. but it just works. But you see it. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, Oh fuck. Can you imagine being a kid seeing that? And I he's mean, already freaked out about the So man. preoccupied with going to get the keys to unlock the car and then no goes and then keys. I I mean I resonate with making a song. But please Paul my Paul. Paul. That's not a real song, right? She's just making No, it and neither is the song Laurie Strode sings in the beginning where she's like just the two of us. She just made that up. Yeah. I resonate with doing... Uh, dude, I make songs for mundane tasks all the time. Hey, Lonnie! Hey, Lonnie! Get your ass away from there! What a weird thing. And he, like, smiles. He, like, likes it. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like, like I, a- he's like, hey, I, I scared a kid on Halloween. He's <laughs> in the spirit. Oh, Loomy. Fucking Loomis looks over, car's right there. Piss me off every time. Right? Every time the what? car is, like, two... It's like, like a... Bl- maybe and not a even block. a block away. No, not even. And it's it's like, at the it's at the next cross street. It's like, dude, it's you've on been the same here, street. You've been like, there's no way he hasn't looked all around while just waiting there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, god damn it, Loomis. There's also when Annie and Lori are driving to their babysitting houses. It kind of just becomes nighttime, like real yeah. quick. And like, I like, I don't care, but like, those are. Those are some things about the, the movie that just kind of yeah, and exactly. stuff like just, that. Well, just, uh, just you know, yeah, they're there. And then uh, right after Loomis creeps out that kid, the sheriff comes up and he's like, "Did you find anything?" He's like, "Just kids playing <laughs> pranks, trick or treating, parking, getting high. Nothing out of the usual." So maybe this cop is progressive. Maybe they're getting high. He's just kind of letting them have fun. Letting kids be kids, right? That's when we get the next Loomisism of this movie. What's the next Loomisism? I watched him for 15 years, sitting in a room, staring at a wall, not seeing the wall, looking past the wall, looking at this night, inhumanly patient, waiting for some secret silent alarm to trigger him off. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Now, you can either ignore it, you can help me stop it. Nice. And I think with both of these monologues, dude, mm-hmm. there's nothing 
there's nothing too far between dropping Robert Shaw in this role as Quinn <laughs> yeah. to be Dr. Loomis. Yeah. He's like, the devil's eyes. And I'm like, like a, doll's a doll's eyes. eyes. So he's like, yeah. Just the way he like gives off the staring at a wall, not seeing the wall, looking past the wall. That's like... The delivery is very similar. It's similar. like a very intense, the personal, just ex- like expressing expression i guess like they're they're they both really just lay it out on the table without it being like they're complaining or like bitching like they're what they're trying to do is make the other person understand them right yeah but that that is a good point (laughs) um but they do like the same monologue with the the cage like mm -hmm. cage goes in the water shark in the water Mm -hmm. our shark and his monologue when he's talking about the USS Indianapolis is just very much matter of fact, but there's like the way they're saying it expresses the emotion they feel about it. And it just draws you in. It's just good monologue reading. It's just good, just good monologue acting and, but it, it's and it's not like Loomis is just repeating himself. He's like providing more information each time he has one of those monologues, and it's just it's like trying to give evidence for Loomis's that Loomis has experienced for the last like yeah, fifteen years. He, like he how wants, do you how do you how do you express what you've seen? Yeah, it's as your feeling. patient. Yeah, for the last. 15 years mm-hmm. and now he's escaped and you know what he's going to do, mm-hmm. but no one will believe you. Yeah. And that's what he's trying to do with these monologues. He's trying but to he tell just people. sounds crazier. He kind of does. He's just so involved and into it that it just does come across. Like he's this kooky old man who's way too invested. And it's almost like he's making up these stories. Yeah. It's like, nah, this shit's I real. I almost found it too coincidental when he pulls up to the, phone booth and uh it's mm. like right where michael's first kill was that's a little too coincidental for me yeah when i was younger i thought he had found that first and then made a call yeah but no, it, i don't know it's kind of, i don't know i still don't really know maybe I if feel he like saw he it, maybe pulled saw off the, the road car. and then went and then checked that out that's kind of what i thought but he didn't he doesn't that reverse way Does he? yeah well i mean yeah but he could have still seen it and then investigated but i don't know it, it is a little coincidental uh, Michael Myers is a kinky voyeur dirty boy. He <laughs> likes watching them sex up in this movie. Bob's death, like one of the most classic deaths of yeah. horror, right? Yeah. The pick him up, stab him, and then... Just coming out from a cabinet in the dark. Yeah. Pick him up by the throat, choking him, stabs him right through the, the stomach, chest area. Yeah. And just stares at it and turns mm-hmm. his head and like admires his work. Yeah, that there you get that uh, <clears throat> the dreadful low sounding uh, piano. I'm pretty sure when Linda dies when she's on the phone. Oh yeah, I like that. You mean like because mm-hmm. Carpenter just kind of introduces just like a little bit more too, and a like, little bit more and mm-hmm. a little bit more as the movie goes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you get the whole dun, 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 dun. But then like you get like the synth later comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the dun, 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 
Dun-dun. Yeah. Yeah. It is such a score in in the fact that they're all like kind of the same sounds. It all makes sense together. And I love his little like synth jabs and waves that it's like the da da or the um like the one you were saying with like Lori Dines like or whatever however it goes. But yeah, the deaths are the deaths are all pretty cool in this and they're not over the top and they're not gory. No. They didn't want to use blood in the movie. Yeah. And I think that Annie any uh like she like crosses her eyes yeah. in the car and it makes me laugh a little bit i feel like she probably could have just died but she yeah was like a- i think that's my favorite death i like i love the whole car thing it's locked she comes back it's unlocked she gets in she, <laughs> she doesn't realize it yeah. and then she like you hear him breathing the fog and or the condensation you hear him breathing whenever yeah. he's in the scene mm-hmm. and then he just like jumps up and just starts choking her yeah. and then just eventually which is like a loud noise like you get the synth again yeah very loud that's, same with that's Bob. a scare factor too it's yeah. kind of like oh shit yeah which is good it, get, it gets you to jump um yeah Great, fucking and then when he, good looks when he, jc yeah he kills linda and that one's kind of cool because Lori's on the phone so she's yeah, hearing she's her saying, friend oh, die oh, oh, oh. And she thinks she's joking because of like the whole chewing sound from earlier Yeah, that Annie called her with at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... Uh, then we get the final kind of act coming right. here. Yeah. Then, I have it in my notes. Yeah, I love that this takes Loomis this long to realize the mental hospital car is parked like right <laughs> across the street from him. Yeah. Yeah. But Maybe was- if you didn't spend 15 years, 15 yearsing, you would have realized that car was there. Maybe if not he didn't, fifteen years later. Maybe if he wasn't preoccupied by all of his monologues, he could have looked around the neighborhood and saw the car. Yeah, he's like, I know where Michael's gonna be. His house. Mm-hmm. No, he actually never shows up to his house. So, well, he did with the dog, You're but right. he beat him to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then we get the climax. We get Lori going across the street to the Wallaces to check on. To check on her friends because they're not answering the phones. Nope. And she goes in there and she just sees the fallout. The, yeah, like what is the symbolism behind the tombstone and Annie on the bed mm-hmm. and then Bob falls out from the closet and yeah, I Linda's think, dead in the closet. I think that's what I was kind of saying earlier about Michael's. He has this theatricality to him and how he kills people. He like does it in a scary way and that's what he likes to do. It's a combination of, I think, setting up his murders or the bodies in a way to scare Lori. But also, but how would to, she like, know who Judith Myers is? Like, dude, everyone in this city would have to know about the Myers. Like, that's why the house is haunted. They know Michael Myers killed his sister, Judith Myers. So, it, like, and for her to see that, she's that's probably like, like why me, up. bro? Why are you fucking coming probably. at me? Probably. Uh, yeah. But, like, there's no answer. There's no rhyme or reason. This guy's just going to kill you. Is it what happens? Where does he pop up? I forget in the Wallace's house. Does he throw her down the stairs there? Yeah. Cause she sees all those bodies. She like backs out. She's crying. And then that's when she backs into like the side of a doorway. And then you kind of oh, see, yeah. you see his mask light up, yeah. which they did to kind of make it look like your eyes were adjusting to the dark. Was yeah. the idea. That's like that. the, I think that's like the best scene. Mm hmm. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like that's a that's really cool. And then he comes out and stabs her arm and she falls down the stairs. And then the chase is on. 
And then, she, she's not getting up from that fall. No, that's head so, first she, down the stairs. Head first, dude. And she, if not, like you're definitely breaking an ankle. And she's like, yeah, cross the street. Mm-hmm. But that's like my one fear is like needing help, running out into yeah. the street, screaming, and no one helps you. And then yeah. she has to waste time. She has to wake uh, Tommy up mm-hmm. and let them like let her in. Yeah, and then. What does he get into, get into the house through a window that she left Something. open? Because all of a sudden she's like scared and yeah. she grabs her uh, knitting needle needle and you just hear him like breathing <sighs> and she stabs him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, it always kind of she keeps throwing the knife away, too. Yeah. What's her problem, bro? She always does that. She's going to die. She deserves to die. Yeah. Like what? Why, though? Like he keeps she coming think, back because because she, she thinks he's dead because he should be but he's the boogeyman I he feel doesn't die yeah, I feel like though he in that like traumatic situation I feel like I would tra- like just traumatically be holding that knife absolutely until I went to so the would hospital. I so would I Mike's not that's part of the that's part of the movie making actor of like they're gonna do like they want to get reactions out of you so it's like yeah you would normally hold the knife in your hand mm-hmm. but having her throw the knife down is so much scarier and it kind of makes sense because she thinks he's dead and she's like disgusted that she's holding the weapon that he used to kill her friends you know like so it makes sense but like it's so frustrating and when she runs across the street she's banging on like the house next door i always thought grab that chair that's on the porch and huck it through their front window yeah like just do something enough to get like the The attention attention or like or like I would just book it down the street. I would doubt that he's going to go get the kids. Kids are locked away. You know, like, yeah. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. maybe like she just has uh, that babysitter instinct. I feel to like his he, kids. Yeah. But, Cause he definitely was staring at their house earlier. And Tommy was like, yeah. it's a boogeyman. Right. But yeah. She's and just a good babysitter. He I'd is be very theatrical with what he does. Cause one thing that I noticed too was, the rake in the door when she's trying mm. to leave like he puts that there and when you kind of put that together that maybe he isn't just like killing every time he's there he's kind of like marinating mm-hmm. what's going on in front of him he's very methodical right so sometimes he's like because he's like watching annie for a while like he pops up a bunch like he could have killed her when she was stuck in that window mm-hmm. but he like waited yeah right weirdo yeah, but it, it's really cool for the audience because you never know when it's going to come and it creates that suspense and thrill because mm. it's like, oh, she was stuck there. Why didn't she die there? It's like, oh, it's because he's in the fucking car. Yeah, but he wasn't in the car in the beginning. He unlocked it and then goes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's he's around a bunch in the background. Yeah. Um, And then she runs back. She, she makes them go hide. I forgot that the kids were in there for like literally most of that part. Like she makes Mm -hmm. them hide in the bathroom. Right. And then she goes Mm -hmm. into the room and hides in the closet Mm -hmm. and the scene where he breaks in and Mm -hmm. she is smart enough to get a coat hanger and stab him in the eye with it. Yeah. Um, and then she thinks he's dead again, Again, throws the knife, throws the knife, like just take the knife with you at that point. Or at least just huck the knife out the window. And she's like, uh, the boogeyman, they're like, is that the boogeyman to kill the boogeyman or whatever? And she yells at the kids to go downstairs and find whoever and scream. And that's when mm-hmm. Loomis sees them and runs in there. And Yeah. 
he does that like creepy like Dracula sit up. Yeah. And just like like looks over at her. I have to say, out of all of the like big bads, something's just so creepy about the way he moves. Mm-hmm. It's just so very mechanical, mm-hmm. and it's it. I think it goes to saying of how not human he is. Yeah, it's very like point A to point B, and that was the direction Carpenter gave. It was just just walk towards me, like that's yeah. it. And that was that was as pretty much the extent. Or like with the Bob head tilting thing. Carpenter was just like, tilt your head to the left, to the right. Like, that's the instruction. Yeah. And then it just looked that way. Like, he had this, Carpenter had this vision of how the shape just, he just is that. He's just, he just walks. He just stalks. He's he just, just a, is. Yeah. And, like, it, the lack of, like, the mechanicism of his movements also gives him that lack of personality. Same with, like, his mask, right? So it's just, like... Like anyone could kind of be under there. That could really be anyone because there's no, there's no personality behind it. And it's, yeah, it's so creepy. Uh, and then you get the final encounter where she's like fighting him off. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like pulls his mask up yeah. and you see like, is his eye all fucked up from when she just poked him out or is he just like Maybe. ugly? Well, yeah, I mean that, that I don't think that was Nick Castle. I think that was one of their stand-ins for yeah. the day because, like, they had to kind of do that depending on their scheduling. And the the guy, he was just a normal-looking guy. He wasn't like ugly. He wasn't deformed or anything. It was just it was partially of the lighting and just the way the mask was ripped off. Maybe like something about his face was kind of like a little I don't know. But yeah, his eye just looked like looked it, fucked it up. It looked weird, but. I, he like isn't he like wasn't and maybe it was kind of them but it's the lore the has like traveled through the yeah. the movies because in the new ones mm-hmm. they like show sort of his like fucked up eye yeah you know what i mean like right. he has like one good eye or mm-hmm. something yeah and so yeah maybe maybe they did do a little something but as far as i like can tell and read that it just it just looks that way. It's not and Nick it wasn't Castle, it's intended not Tommy to be. Wallace. And then I think even Carpenter or someone said, like, that's just like movie magic, how it makes your mind feel like you like want to see something gross yeah. or something. But it's like you freeze frame it and you're like, it just looks weird. He wrong. also like he finally takes off the mask. He's like, Oh he like has a weird No, look. not my mask. Yeah. And he has to put it back on. Yeah, and then he puts it on and then Loomis just Loomis chaps just his unloads ass. a three fifty seven into him. Then we get the the famous uh it was the boogeyman. As a matter of fact it was There we go. And then Loomis's point of view. Michael's gone. Into the Halloween night to haunt again. It's so, so it's such a simple movie. It starts quick. It cuts to Michael escaping quick. You introduce the characters. The characters start getting picked off. The lead character survives. Michael survives. End of the movie. Like that's the movie. It's yeah. so simple and so quick. But there's just so many factors about it that make it such an iconic movie. Yeah. It's the score, it's the look of the villain, it's the writing, it's the characters. Like it all like it's just kind of I think this perfect formula that just fit together or like this perfect puzzle piece that just fit together 
so well that it just made just a box office smash out of a low budget film and inspired a bunch of slasher and horror films beyond. And they were going to stop it right where uh, Loomis's point of view was. Mm. And they ended up adding the shots that they took of all the scenes before, mm-hmm. which like kind of gives you that eerie thing. It's mm-hmm. like, I think it's different to sinister, but also the same where you get that last jump scare. Mm-hmm. And this one, I feel like they do how I feel would have made sinister creepier if mm-hmm. they didn't have that last like jump scare to make you be like, it's a movie. Yeah. Um, and this one, they like go through all the scenes of, like where they were that mm-hmm. night. And it's just like kind of the stills of like the shots that they took, like of the yeah. Myers house, like outside of the Wallace's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, and Michael's breathing during it yeah. and it's getting louder. And it's like, he's still, he could be anywhere. He could be behind any of these doors or chairs or building or houses. Yeah. And the editor just, those were just like, cuts those were just little film strips that he had that they he said they normally throw away but he just had them all still and they just pieced as many of those little still type shots that they could find yeah but it's really cool it's like you know like last night in soho they kind of did that where they had like those still shots of soho empty yeah like it's kind of like that like it lives on in a way do you think she called ben tramer after all this no. Well, I yeah, think I that think was the last thing. Either. Ben Tramer died in Halloween 2. Did he? He was the guy that was wearing a Michael Myers mask and got hit by a car, and the car blew up. That was Ben Tramer. Wait, in Halloween 2, 1981? Yeah. No, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, man, I haven't I seen that in a while. I love the boyfriend names, like Ben Tramer, Devon Graham, Steve Todd, Yeah. like all this stuff. Like It's so funny. Do you think it would, in a, in a non-distasteful, <clears throat> disrespectful way, mm-hmm. fuck, Mary kill, yep. uh, Michael Myers, mm-hmm. Dr. Loomis, mm-hmm. or Bob? Bob. I'm going to marry Bob. I'm going Even to- Even though his heart attack ass is going to die in the attic? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to F Michael because I that would be kind of cool to say you got Michael Myers off. And he probably would just lay there. He probably wouldn't know what to do with himself unless he was <laughs> up against a wall. And then you can kill Loomis because I don't want that shaggy old... All right, guy. I would kill Bob. <laughs> I would fuck Loomis, and I would marry Michael Myers because he's gonna take care of me. He's gonna make sure that everyone around me, Dude, like he would you make know how sh- smelly he'd be. He, <laughs> he's would just always wearing that. Protect mask. me. You know how creep. You, you just- don't listen. If you marry him, you don't have to have intercourse with him all the time. But he would yeah, just be you, like, you just come home and he's just. <sighs> He's just in the corner looking creepy as yeah, shit. And I'd walk in and I'd be like, Michael, <laughs> did you do the fucking laundry today? What the fuck? And then he would just, he wouldn't back talk. He'd just walk. He'd just go do it. And then I'm he taking like, taking away your he knife. Leaves, he, he leaves the apartment. He comes home, bloody, bloody hands. And you're like, God damn it, Michael. 
every time I yell at you, you can't take it out on someone else. Who yeah. did you kill? And then he just won't say anything. And in the news the next day, another teenager is You just killed. know that he God won't kill you, it, though. Michael. He won't kill you, though. No. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty funny. Yeah. In one sentence. Do you sentence, think he cooks dog for you? No, we have a dog. I've trained him not to kill dogs anymore. Or just your dog? Um, just my dog. Yeah. It makes him feel better that I also got, I took advantage of Dr. Loomis. Do you think he like gets super stoked when Halloween's coming and you can tell like he's getting like a little excited? Just yeah. Like I walk in from shit. work and he's just like sharpening his knives and I'm like, he just has like Dude. carved pumpkins. Yeah. With <laughs> knives in them. Dude, Michael. You just buy him a set of Michael's knives, Mike's knives for Mike's Christmas. Knives. That's all he wants. Super ever. stoked about it. <laughs> I can't tell what he wants because he doesn't say anything. Yeah, but there's no expression. But you his, know he's like excited that he got yeah, the knives. His his mask seems a little more hot that night, like a little more. He's warm. breathing there's a little steam. heavier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in one sentence, what is your impression of this movie? This movie is always enjoyable to watch, and it's actually like a comfort movie for me. Like a re- just real quick, I want to kind of touch on this is growing up, we had a version of this movie, which was the TV version, which doesn't mean there was anything less. There was there was two additional scenes. Um, and I'm used to watching that version. And what it essentially was is when they released this movie for TV, they had to fill the time slot. So like, I think it was a year later or maybe when they were doing filming Halloween 2 possibly they filmed some additional scenes and one of them is Annie had like in the previous scene where Annie had called and was chewing she there is a scene where they added where she was asking for a blouse to wear for the night and then Linda came over also asking for the blouse but Linda came in and she was like there's this creepy guy stalking me I think it's Steve Todd or something oh yeah I know I know you're talking yeah right Mm -hmm. and then Annie or then like Lori lets Linda <laughs> take the blouse and like that then they leave but that also showed a little bit more of like Lori getting concerned because now Linda also saw Michael and then also there's another scene I think it was even before that I think it was after Michael killed Judith and before it cut to the Smith's Grove um, where this movie you know starts right after there's a scene where Loomis is at like a hearing trying to get the doctors to keep Michael in prison. Yeah. 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 And then they show, they show Michael as like a teenager, like looking through the window and Loomis is talking to him. He's like, you fooled them. Haven't you, Michael? And that Mm -hmm. stuff. And so it built, it built a little bit more of their relationship. And then watching the original version, which is what I watched for this, it didn't have those scenes. And I kind of missed them just because I remember those scenes vividly, but I also liked it because it made the movie move along a little quicker. It was, it kept it a little bit more simple. So I like both versions, but those deleted scenes or added scenes later are pretty cool. Mm. So sorry, sorry, quick tangent, but what was your first impression or first? Um, I actually didn't have one. I just wrote in all caps. Do you think Lori called Ben Tramer after all of this? But clearly she didn't because he gets fucking murked. He gets murked. Uh, on a scale from A to Z, what would you rate this movie? An L. Four. 
You ready for this? Yeah. We got an L for Loomis, okay. Linda, Lindsay, Lori, Lonnie, and then there's two L's in Halloween. Wow. You really thought of that one. It's just I just thought there's a lot of L names in this movie. I like it. What do you got? I like it. I have E. E? Yeah. What for? Evil. Evil. Evil has come to your town. To your little town. I think this deserved an eight. It got a 7.7 7 on IMDb. I think that yeah. it is the epitome of horror movies. I wrote that too. Sla- I think as, slashers. Yeah, I think as an IMDb movie, it should totally be an eight. Mm-hmm. Personally, it's a 10. Yeah. But I think that it just it, it was a, a trailblazer. Point, yeah, it's a 7.7 7 on IMDb. And I'm like, fuck, really? Mm-hmm. The movie genie grants you one item from this movie. What is it? Michael's mask. Yeah, me too. Just, I mean, that's I, because the I don't think they've been one. able. No, they, they lost it. Mm-hmm. I think they lost the original mask, and that's why yeah, they've was, gone through so many renditions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was just started under, getting super goofy. Yeah, it was under Deborah Hill's bed, I think. <laughs> and it just over time, it just de-aged and cracked, and just like wasn't just didn't look good or whatever. Yeah. But and they just, yeah, it just ended up not, they couldn't use it anymore. Good. And I don't think it's looked good. It looked pretty good in Halloween 2. Yeah, it looked okay. I don't remember if it was the same mask or not. 2018, it looked well. I yeah. think because you can age it and right. make it a little more. And they have the technology now to mold it and make it look real. Yeah. Two fictional awards this movie would win. I have most iconic horror score. Yep. And I also have most iconic horror villain. Okay. I don't know what I was saying earlier. We're like, I feel like every horror villain just wants to be Michael or like is kind of trying to top Michael. Yeah. I like that. It's such an iconic movie that I just got to go for the legacy awards. What Mm -hmm. do you got? Um, I have the, this is scary because this could happen in real life award. Mm, Yeah. Psycho man kills three babysitters on Halloween night. Um, And then, I mean, like, not to be original, but, like, we have back-to-back heavy hitters, mm-hmm. and so I had to hit him with the uh, MFPSICA oh. award, movie the f- Movie Feeders <laughs> Paradigm Shift in Cinema Award, because yeah. I think that this movie was so groundbreaking in a sense that, like you said, everything after wanted to be it, and not only were the movies all the big bads wanted to be this, but it just set off a bunch of filmmakers wanting to go out and create low budget horror movies. And that's Mm -hmm. how you get Friday the 13th. And -hmm. that's how you get, you know, nightmare on Elm street. And that's how you get, you know, various like different slasher movies. It just re like it redefined how slashers were made. Mm -hmm. And I think that it just like, I don't know, man, it, it ran. Mm-hmm. So that others could try to run and just walk. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's it's like... It was kind of like a one-hit wonder of horror movies. Yeah. Not for John Carpenter, but just kind of for the slasher films of the time, I feel like. It it just like was such a big hit. And then like nobody could really rip, like come close to it in a yeah. way like it just that was kind of not it. even jc himself could pull it off again no and like the thing is completely different like yeah and i think and that was a 
that was not a box office hit in any no. regard. It wasn't really liked until like well after. Do you have anything else? Um, I just want to, I don't know. I think it's a, a cool little connection you have before this. Probably the most iconic horror movie is Psycho. Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's, Curtis's mom. mom. She was in Psycho. She was the one that got killed in the shower. Yeah. She and was then, like one of the original scream queens. Yeah. And then fucking Jamie Lee Curtis, her, her daughter, daughter, starring in this. That's pretty cool. I like that's a nice connection. Yeah. Here's another connection for you. Jamie Lee Curtis starred in Halloween. She was also in the movie Knives Out mm-hmm. with uh, Ana de Armas. Yeah who was in Blade Runner 2049 yeah. with Jared Leto. And then Jared Leto uh, morbed. <laughs> I told you to get rid of that bit. Are we actually getting rid of it? I don't know, but you, Do you really not like just, it you anymore? just snuck that one in so I don't hard, think I'm getting you? rid of it. Jared Leto is just so weird. Until I find a new bit for us to go with. Uh, I think I just, I like... I morbed. I think we'll... Here, here, I, I have a concession for you. Yeah, I'll stop doing the bit when we watch Morb and do it for the pod. Okay, that's when I will stop doing it. Okay, because that'll break the. We're it's gonna be the lowest amount of listens we have on a podcast. I think we should do nothing but shit on it the whole time. <laughs> we should do a watch along. It'll be for that. so cathartic. We should just do a watch along. That's fair because like I don't want to do any research no, about it. Me I don't want to talk about it. I want to shit on it the whole time. Yeah, we'll just watch twenty like minutes it. of it, stop and talk about it. It'll and be like watch twenty more minutes and stop. Yeah, and talk. it'll be like mystery science theater, but like <laughs> shittier. <laughs> All right, should we crack open a cold one? Yeah, why don't we do that? Let's play a game, just me and you. You want a drink? Drink to your leg. I drink to your leg. Okay, so we drink our legs. <laughs> Don't be such a square. Everybody who's anybody drinks. I drink your milkshake. Why is the rum gone? What the beast so? Hair of the dog that bit me. Bourbon on the rocks. That'll do her. All right. All so right. our Give it official to us. movie feeders drinking game to Halloween 1978 is rule one, take a sip every time Michael Myers is stalking Lori. Rule two, take a sip when the iconic score plays in the background. Rule three, take a sip when the girls say totally, because that's like totally a good rule. Totally. Rule four. Sip when someone mentions the boogeyman. And rule five, finish your drink when Michael chases Lori across the street. Final uh, final comments? Ah, uh, gosh. I'm going to watch this movie until the day I die. Yeah. If you haven't seen it. Go um, see it. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's not that scary. Really, no. it's just, it's just I feel a good like movie. you gotta, yeah, you just gotta admire the, the script. You gotta admire the, <laughs> the, you have any closing thoughts? Um, no, I, I frequently, at least did, I frequently had dreams just with Michael Myers and they weren't really scary, but he was just stalking. Yeah. I, um, actually my closing thought here is. 
buy this movie. Just buy it because you'll once you watch it once, you'll probably just end up watching it every Halloween. Like it's, it's worth it. I would say it's yeah. worth a purchase. And it's usually not on any streaming services. And no, yeah, it's just great. Cool. Soundtrack's fun to listen to too. That's cool. Yeah. That that film wraps up our Rocktober, our Halloween triathlon, and um, oh, we really did we? This was grind season. Spooky season is grind season. Can I get your your ghost, Drew? Go get me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> is all you know what to say is yeah, yeah.